Morning Liberty. Well, what's up, everybody? My name is Nate, and this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Charlie's over here, too. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, man? Everything is sounding so good today. You know, yesterday we still had a couple little sound issues, but I'm pretty pumped about it today. We did. And you know, one night when you're sleeping and away from the office, I'm going to come in here and change that intro. <laughs> and it'll be my band playing after Do it. the If you want to put your band Liberty. If you want to put your band on the intro sometime, we can make different ones and and I'll just load them up here into the pad and you just won't know which one it's going to be. I'll put a full song on there actually. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. That's a good idea. We'll wait for a while to come in. Hey, you guys should uh, subscribe to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, we sure would appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button. What that's going to do is it's going to take our <laughs> podcast and send it directly to your phone as soon as we release a new one, which last night, by the way, we had such an issue getting the podcast to upload. Yeah. That's never happened before. Or it, like it uploaded and then it just wouldn't distribute everywhere. It was strange. It was really weird, but it, uh, you know, we got it fixed. You got it fixed somehow. Yeah, so we, we didn't get the memo from Neo that there was a glitch in the system. He didn't let us know. No, not at all. I don't know why. He's <laughs> so, usually pretty good about that. Let me tell you this real quick. I woke up this morning before we get to the news here. I woke up this morning and my, my wife and I were both awake. It was about six in the morning, something like that. The sun had just came up. And, you know, we were laying there counting our unborn children, whatever it is that we were naming our unborn children, whatever it was. And we were just laying there and we kept hearing this, we kept hearing this thump, like there was someone outside that was just like opening and slamming a car door over and over again. And so we heard it for a little while and didn't think much about it. And then it just, it kept going on. It kept going and kept going. And so I was like, what's going on? Is someone stealing stuff out of our car or something like that? So I, I looked out the window, and there's like a flock of turkeys walking around my car, pecking it with their beaks. Pecking your car. Pecking my car. Yeah. I don't know if any of you guys live close to any woods, but I, I live like kind of close to some woods, and there's a lake, and there's this whole family of turkeys that live out there. And I have a black car, and what my neighbor said is, you know, they can kind of, they can see the bugs on it, they can see their reflection in it, and they just, they were just... Standing next to the car, just pecking it as so, hard as they could. Is your car damaged now? No, no, it's it's fine. It's okay. But, but you're advocating for a a, a bill to yeah. go into place that. Well, it, it's ridiculous that it's the legal. The turkeys would be responsible. Yeah, the billionaires is, would be responsible for allowing the turkeys exactly to wreck your car. Exactly, it's ridiculous that in 2019, in the wealthiest country in the world, <laughs> that it, we still allow turkeys to go around pecking on unsuspecting yeah. victims' cars like this. It's ridiculous. We're the only major country <laughs> in the world that does not stop uh, turkeys. <laughs> I can't do. That's his pretty voice. good, man. I really need to work good. on that. Yeah, we need to yeah. work on our impressions. We don't. We don't do near enough impressions. No. Okay, so uh, we're trying out our video today. We're going to see how this works. It's private. You guys can't find it anywhere, but we are going to load that up for you guys to be able to see it starting next week. I think that's pretty crazy. Live video starting next week. Are you promising that on Monday or? Well, we have to get a few more sound tiles in here on the walls to make this look good because it looks a little i don't know it's not really it's not really that great yet so i guess we need to do a little bit more work but yeah i don't know i don't know so anyway without further ado do you want to run through some news real quick i was trying to think of a story i had 
you know you have you, do you have anything you got to tell a story yeah i, I like telling stories. i've been saving that story all day actually my so my wife ran went downstairs ran out the door at the turkeys to try and get them to run away with a broom and i got a video of her doing it <laughs> But, nice. Yeah, but I didn't tell her that I, I had my camera pointing out the window when she ran outside, and it was hilarious. Should you just um, post that video on our Facebook and yeah. then tag her in it? Yeah, I think I will. Like yeah. on the Good Morning Liberty. Yeah, she Facebook. doesn't even know I took it, but uh, yeah. it'll be really funny. By the way, though, to me, I, I I think I need to extend gratitude again. Every single day, we crossed the ten thousand threshold followers on Facebook. We I did. Think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, some of our videos have been doing really well. We have a couple of videos that have uh, close to like maybe 300,000 views and we've only got, we've got 10,000 followers. So that's due to everyone sharing all the stuff that we put on our page that you find valuable and you think that other people should see so we can, so we can save the world. That's due to everyone doing that. So yeah, we, we have to be thankful to those people for sure. It's awesome. I think the story I want to tell is about me telling stories. And so what happened <laughs> as native, I have been friends for a long time. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, we're business partners, uh, you know, PICs partners in crime, although we've never committed any crimes. Oh, you just said, never. Yet, you just told the story yesterday where we hid from the cops after we passed them going that's way not too a, fast. That's not a real crime. It's not talking a crime like to hide from the police when real they come Real crime back? where there's victims. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There's no, been no victims before. The victim um, in our case was the cop's ego at that yes, point in time. Yes. That was it. But my story aligns with um, what's been happening the last couple of minutes, which throughout my whole life, every time I tell a story with Nate around, Nate is always quick to point out that it takes me a really long time to get to the very end of the story. Yes. And so I've been throughout my whole adult life been working on telling quicker stories. And I think that right there proves that I just got to it a lot quicker. <laughs> That's, so so you're saying that, that, I, that you've finally heeded my advice and you're getting to the end of your stories quicker. What I'm saying is I'm not there yet. Okay. But as I get older, okay. I'm okay. learning to be a more, a more precise, okay. concise, eloquent Eloquent. Yeah, it shows. It shows for <laughs> sure. Storytelling. Yeah. yeah, we can tell. Okay. All right, <laughs> let's, let's talk uh, some news. Let's get to the news real quick. Do you want to do this first story here? Um, okay, I got it. The, you get it. Okay, this is from Fox News. You guys heard about, have you guys heard about um, the fact, this impeachment thing going on? I just heard about it the other day. That maybe Trump is, you know, they're going to be voting on that? I don't know. I don't pay attention to, to mainstream news very There's, much. There's like like live updates, I think, happening like on the Washington Post or something like yeah. that. I was looking at some <laughs> things last night. Um, there's a few people, I guess, that have uh, questioned some of the testimony. And I can't remember the guy's name, uh, but they think they have some damning evidence of some things happening. They've been telling us but, about this smoking gun for the last three years yeah, that they've got on Trump. And it, it still has not happened. So. Yeah. I'm not going to believe it. And so what I wanted to talk about in this story specifically is this whole whistleblower thing. Because as libertarians, we we definitely care about the whistleblower. Obviously, libertarians are uh, big sympathizers with people like Edward Snowden, who came out and, uh, you know, told people that the government was doing something illegal. So we've got a bit of an issue right now, a bit of a dilemma, because there's this alleged 
whistleblower. There's an alleged whistleblower, and he's got some information on things that Trump did, but we don't know who it is. And so now there's there's this conversation going back and forth on whether or not we should know uh, the identity of this whistleblower. Now, we have protections for whistleblowers, uh, so people can't retaliate against them, uh, so, so they don't have to worry about coming forward. But there's an interesting story from Fox News, and I, I go back and forth between a couple stories here, because um, Rand Paul and Justin Amash are kind of going back and forth on it. And So let's just read this story from Fox News. So, uh, this is whistleblower's lawyer sends cease and desist letter to White House. I didn't, by the way, I didn't know you could send a cease and desist to the White House. Yeah, I, we, we should do that. Send a yeah. cease and desist to Congress. We should do that as yeah. good as you know, citizens to be like, hey, stop spending our money, yeah. stop wasting it. That's actually a pretty good idea. I'll, I'll talk to my lawyer see if we, we should draft something up. We should write that up and send that. Okay, so this is from Fox News. A lawyer for the anonymous whistleblower who filed a complaint with the Inspector General over President Trump's July phone call with Ukraine's president sent a cease and desist uh, letter to the White House Thursday. There's a typo there in Fox News' article, just so you know. Demanding Trump stop attacking his client according to reports. The letter, written by attorney Andrew Bakaj, asked White House counsel Pat, uh, whatever the guy's last name is, to advise Trump of the legal and ethical peril in which he is placing himself should anyone be physically harmed. Because of Trump's or his surrogate's actions, The Hill reported. So his lawyers are coming forward and saying that, hey, there could be some bad, if anything bad happens to this whistleblower, you're you're going to be liable for it, okay? He's talking about the threats of physical violence and any kind of retaliations, letting them know uh, that, that this is not cool. So then I've got this other piece from Greg Jarrett, who uh, is a writer for uh, Fox News, I believe. He says, as I first explained in a column six weeks ago, the so-called whistleblower is not a whistleblower at all. The complaint he filed against President Trump does not meet the two requisite conditions set forth in the ICWPA. That is, the alleged wrongful conduct must involve intelligence activity and it must be committed by a member of the intelligence community. This was meticulously explained in an 11-page opinion by the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel when it issued the following opinion. The president is not a member of the intelligence community and his communication with a foreign leader involved no intelligence operation or other activity aided at collecting or analyzing foreign intelligence. The OLC opinion made it clear that the complaint by the so-called whistleblower regarding Ukraine was so deficient that Congress should never have been notified. The acting director of national intelligence agreed with this assessment. The legal analysis and reasoning was sound, is what he said. So, so they're, come, they're basically saying that this whole legal standard for whistleblowers does not apply in this situation. How can so, you? How can Trump's Justice Department say that Trump is yeah. not part of the intelligence community when he has the highest security clearance that you can possibly get? I think, I think having a security clearance qualifies you as part of the intelligence community, does it not? Well, that's confusing too because he is the chief executive and he is the uh, ultimately chief overall of the intelligence agencies yes like he directs the intelligence so, community to what like he's the top boss so so they ultimately uh they ultimately report to him as as their boss he gets to pick the person that runs it and they ultimately report to him so 
I'm not sure that this guy on Fox is, is really, I don't know if that logic is very sound there, but. Okay, so now in this whole whistleblower controversy, we have to talk about Rand Paul mm. and Justin Amash. Because I'm a fan of both of those. I'm a fan of both of those guys. We've met both of those guys before. Yeah. Actually, not not too long ago. They were both speaking at the Young Americans for Liberty. Pretty uh, decent handshakes. Yeah. Yeah, know? they were good. You know, I was really confused or I was really surprised was when I got close up to Justin Amash he looked a lot older than he does on TV. Yeah. He, he really did. In his think case, he wears makeup? I don't know. In his case, TV uh, reduces you by 10 to 15 years, apparently, uh, because he looked a lot older when I got close to him. But that doesn't really matter right now. What does matter? What matters yeah, is. <laughs> what matters is this whole whistleblower thing. And Rand Paul, obviously, really big advocate, especially for people like Edward Snowden, who we are, you know, also also fans of I, I can speak for myself i guess i don't really know how you feel about that oh i'm a fan yeah so talking anyway. about his book <laughs> so in this article talking about Rand paul they're talking about how he's being hypocritical uh, since he wants the whistleblower's uh identity released so uh this story says before he publicly demanded that the media expose the identity of the anonymous ukraine whistleblower Senator Rand Paul was literally the toast of the whistleblower advocacy world. Six years ago, the Kentucky Republican received an award for his work to protect those who come forward anonymously with allegations and uh, of wrongdoing. So, Charlie, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Do you think that the identity of the whistleblower needs to be released? Um, right now? Right now. Right now, I would align with Justin Amash and say no. Okay. Okay. I will say, you know, and we were talking about this earlier. I understand both sides of this argument. Mm -hmm. I understand what Justin Amash is saying. And I understand where Rand Paul is coming from on wanting to release that person's identity. Because the, the issue here is we're heading into an election season. And there's a potential that this whistleblower is not actually a whistleblower at all. That maybe they're, I mean, so, so what do you do in the case that there's an alleged whistleblower, you don't know who it is, and they say that they know that Trump did something? And we don't really have the information on that yet. All we really know is that they've talked to the Democrats in Congress and that they're going to move ahead with impeachment proceedings on the president. And they've got a majority in the in the House, so they can go ahead and impeach on the House side. Mm -hmm. So I understand the political issues with this, because there is a chance that this is um, that this is what you would what would you say uh, a hoax, a witch hunt. Yeah, like just some random person saying they're a whistleblower. Yeah, I mean, making making information up. And so, so that's the problem is we don't really know that. And well, 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 what we do know, and I think the reason why this is coming out because what we do know is that this person didn't even hear the phone call themselves. Yeah, they heard. They heard other people talk about hearing the phone call. They heard of so it, the phone call. It's hearsay. Yeah. It is. It's, it's hearsay. So we know that the whistleblower, the main whistleblower who started all of this, is basing is basing his accusations off of hearsay. Yeah. Which, yeah. legally speaking, 
Ben Shapiro is probably better at this because he's a lawyer, but legally speaking, hearsay is not admissible. In fact, you have, you, you, if you were a defense attorney, you would object every single time. It's an yeah. objection, Your Honor. Hearsay. That's hearsay. Hearsay. The person, the witness didn't actually hear it themselves. Yeah. They... They hearsayed it. Yeah. And so uh, the the other thing to point out here is Paul is pointing to the Sixth Amendment, which says that you have the right to face your accuser. And of yes. course, the issue with that is we're not in trial yet. That's the issue. So that's the problem. You have the right to face your accuser in a trial when when they're trying to see if you've committed some kind of a crime. But when someone says that you've done something, the Sixth Amendment does not say that you have to know who that is at that point in time. No, they don't have to reveal the investigation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, that's so I think what a lot of people get confused about is that this impeachment inquiry, another term for an inquiry is investigation. Yeah. So the House, which they're legally not only are they allowed to do, but it's their duty to conduct investigations um, in regards to matters within the the government. The Congress is the House of Representatives jobs. The people's representatives is to investigate those in power uh, and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and, and not uh abusing their power or other things like that right and so yeah. that's what they're doing right now an impeachment inquiry is to investigate the president to see if uh if they can outline offenses which could be deemed impeachable and so when we move on if they finish the inquiry and they decide that they're going to move ahead with impeachment which i think they did already didn't they i don't think so okay no. well so when they do that and they move forward with impeachment then does the whistleblower have to come forward then I, I believe they have to do that, right? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think what we what I do want to differentiate between here is that, in my opinion, the protections for a whistleblower. Um, they sorry, I just looked this up. Um, on October thirty first, Halloween, uh, two hundred thirty two votes to one ninety six, the House approved rules for Trump impeachment inquiry. But they okay. haven't actually. Okay. They haven't. So what typically happens in an impeachment? You can go back and look up Clinton's or Andrew Johnson's. What happens is they, the House will do an investigation, an inquiry into impeachment. They will list out violations that they believe, and then they'll vote on them, and they'll vote to submit these violations to the Senate to have a trial, and then the Senate will pull up each violation and they'll vote after, you know arguments and things like that, like a normal trial. And you have the right to face your accuser at that point. The sixth amendment applies. And so then they would vote on each accusation. And I think for Andrew Johnson, there were 11. Okay. And they would vote on each one and decide whether the uh, president would be removed for office for one or more of those violations. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and so Andrew Johnson actually was never removed from office either. No yeah. president has ever been removed from office. Yeah. And just to, you know, we've said on this podcast before, but this is the longest amount of time we've spent talking about the impeachment so far, because yeah. I just don't care at, at all. Honestly. No, I think I've given you my prediction even, and I'll say yeah. it again. The house is going to vote to move impeachment to the Senate. Yeah. And so the headline will be Trump gets impeached. Yep. The Senate will not, convict him on any of the charges that the house brings forth i guarantee it no right now no they're not going to and if it happens i'll eat my words <laughs> but, but i'm telling you right now the republican controlled senate is not going to impeach him whatsoever now will the house 
hang on to this impeachment inquiry all the way up through the election next year. Wait until they have potential Democratic majority in the Senate to go ahead and push this through so they can impeach Trump in case he wins next year. Yeah, I maybe. I don't know. The thing that is really complicating this is the fact that this is a political position and there's an election coming up. And that's the really, really tricky part mm-hmm. of this. And that's the part that makes you think, is this just a campaign to try and make sure that Trump doesn't get reelected? And I, I think a lot of people think that that's what it is. And that very well may be what this is. That's completely possible. And that's why people want to know who the whistleblower is. Because they want to know if this is just some lifelong Democrat or just some kind of Democratic operative who was spying on Trump or something like that. And they want to know whether or not that this is just some kind of some kind of witch hunt. And unfortunately, you know, I really hope they don't drag this out all the way until the election next year. But knowing the way that Congress works, um, that that could be what they do. You know, they have to go into recess. Yeah. You know, so they'll go into their recess here pretty soon of all the holidays. So I guarantee you we're not going to know whether or not this goes to the Senate before the end of the year. No. Because Thanksgiving's right around the corner. My son's birthdays, you know, they're going to take time off for that. Yeah, of course. Two weeks. It's a national holiday. Two weeks from now. Yeah. My son turns three. Yeah. On the day. (laughs) which is crazy to me. Oh, um, so they're going to take time off for that. And then they'll take time off for Thanksgiving the following week. And then, you know, nobody works in December. Yeah. There'll be Christmas coming up. They're it's not going to do that. Birthday. They're not going to work around that. Then we got new years. They're not going to work around that. And you know, when and I say grace, I like the Christmas version of Jesus the best too. Good. And maybe people in Congress do also. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they do or not, but anyway, this is like 80 times longer than I ever want to talk about impeachment again. I mean, this is but just I think it's important <laughs> for liberty people to understand um, the differences because we have two liberty advocates saying two different things. Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of times people will be like, well, I'm a huge Justin Amash fan, but what if I agree with Rand Paul? And I'm a huge Rand Paul fan, but what if I agree with Justin Amash? Like, look, people are going to have disagreeing opinions on this. Yeah. And I think, obviously, they're speaking to their base. Yeah. You know? and. Yeah. And neither, I don't think either one of them are necessarily wrong. They're just wrong on timing. Yeah. That's it. it. it like we said, I mean, Rand Paul's using the Sixth Amendment for this. To me, it's not that's not accurate right now because we're not in a trial. You have the right to face your accuser in a trial. Right. So when we get there, if they're not going to disclose who the whistleblower is, then there's a problem. But right now, to me, that that amendment doesn't apply at the at the moment. We're right. not we're not in a trial. So anyway, next story. The next story. This is I just, really I wanted to make one more comment about this. Yeah. Is I don't think you know, the whistleblower is fully anonymous because obviously the, his lawyer knows who he is and the, <laughs> some of the house people know who he is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, is it like, is it a first name anonymous basis? Like, the thing is he's like only alcoholics anonymous. He's only anonymous with the selective people he wants to remain <laughs> anonymous with uh, yeah. other people. They know, they know who it is. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's interesting also. And then the last question I have for you, what do you think about this? I think whistleblowers should be protected, but at any point 
is it the protection goes so far to where they never have to be revealed? I don't think it can. That's that's the problem is you would never know whether or not it was credible whatsoever, especially if you only have one side of the argument that has this alleged whistleblower and they never said who it was, then I, I don't think you would ever be able to make an accurate decision based off of that. That That's the issue. You, you've got to know who the information is coming from. Mm-hmm. And we already know, I mean, that this person didn't even actually hear the phone call. They yeah. heard about what was on the phone call from someone else. Yep. So, yeah, it's a it's a tricky situation for sure. Yep. Um, so this next story, I thought this was pretty cool. I did not realize that this was the case, but listen to this. McDonald's new CEO, remember their old CEO, got let go because he had a consensual relationship with a subordinate, and he got let go. Violated McDonald's ethics. Yep. McDonald's new CEO doesn't own any shares of the company, but he'll need to buy $7.5 million worth by next October. Okay, so they've actually got a rule saying that he has to. Listen to this. Uh, This is from Business Insider. McDonald's new CEO, Chris Kim, what did we say that was? Kempinski. Kempinski. Sure. No, Kim's, that's not, that's not oh. right. <laughs> Kimzinski? Kimzinski. That's Kemp what it is. Zinsky. McDonald's Zinsky. new CEO, Chris K., doesn't own a single <laughs> share of the restaurant chain, but a company rule requires him to hold $7.5 million worth by October of 2020. Chris K. quickly rose to the top of McDonald's leadership Sunday, replacing former CEO Steve E. after he was fired over a consensual relationship with an employee. The new CEO previously served as the chain's U.S. president. Had Chris K. not been promoted, he would still need to own $2.9 million worth of stock by the 2020 deadline. The required stake comes in at six times the CEO's salary. So he has $1.25 million salary. Keep that in mind. That is what the McDonald's CEO's salary is. And he the, the rule is, in their laws saying that he has to hold six times his salary in stock. And I, I thought that this was a pretty I thought this was a pretty cool rule. So they, they put this in there for the shareholders. They voted on it. And what they're basically saying is the guy who's going to be making all of the decisions for this company, we want a certain amount of his worth, of his net worth, of his wealth. We want a certain amount of that to be held in McDonald's stock. So he actually has a, a literal stake in the decisions that he's making for the company. Yeah. I think it's a pretty cool rule. Basically his ass is on the line. It is. It's whether and the, the company and, succeeds or fails. And so that's what they're doing, trying to make sure that he remains accountable where he's not just getting a salary and who cares if something bad happens, something like that. They're saying, hey, you've got to tie up a lot of money in this company if you're going to run it. And that's something I, you know, this story right here is not something that someone like Bernie Sanders would ever tell you like, oh, his compensation is $20 million next year, but they're not going to mention, oh, he had to literally purchase $7.5 million worth of stock. And then that stock value went up because he made good decisions. And that's why his net worth increased, Mm -hmm. but he had to buy into it with his own money. Now, I got a question for you because from the article, and I don't know much about options, and yeah. you as our as a Good Morning Liberty stock guy, it says that from the article, he currently holds about 36,800 options that he could exercise at any point, bringing his stake to roughly $7.08 million as of McDonald's share price at 3.20 p.m. Eastern. 
How uh, on Tuesday? However, such a transaction would cost him about five million dollars. So it would cost him five million dollars to cash in on his options before they mature. Do options mature? Yeah. What's so the... options options have a time value to them. Okay. Um. And and so yeah, there's a certain amount of time that you'll buy an option for. And uh, the other part of that is when you get an option, unlike buying a share of a stock, you're buying just say the right to purchase the shares of that stock at a given price later. And you'll pay a premium to be able to exercise your option, uh, but you don't actually have to pay for the full stock price. But he's got so many options. They're saying it's, it's going to cost him 5 million just to exercise uh, his options that he has. But so that's, like, that's actually, I feel like that would save him $2 million because he'll own seven million dollars worth of McDonald's share, and it'll cost him five million dollars to get that seven million in McDonald's. Yeah, it's going to save him a couple million to okay. do that. And he's probably been given the options over time since he's been at McDonald's yeah. for a while. That's uh, pretty cool. So, like, I just bought an option in a gold stock the other day. Um, it's a uh, gold miners share in uh, UGT, and my belief on that is that it's going to that this stock is going to skyrocket in value whenever our stock market crash happens. So I bought the right, which is roughly Christmas time, probably, right? Yeah, I bought the right to purchase um, 100 shares at a given price uh, within, I think, in January. But I only had to pay thirty dollars to be able to exercise those hundred shares. So instead of buying the hundred shares, you're buying the contract for those, and you can lose money on that you can lose the 30 bucks mm -hmm. but then you can also have those shares whenever you know if that happens now if the stock is below the price that i bought for the option um then i'll end up having a stock that i have at a really high price that is not at that value and so that that can be bad too that's so where the risk comes in there's a little bit of risk mm -hmm. yeah just a little bit so you guys check out nugt i think it's gonna skyrocket next year um, so yeah, I just thought that was cool. These people have to have, these but people, we're not giving stock advice really. No, like, this no, this isn't I, licensed. Just advice. so you know, it's just a, we're not liable for any stock transactions that exactly. you make at That's all. An obvious disclaimer, but Jesus, you have to put that, like if you're going to do videos and everything on stocks, you have to put the standard disclaimer at the beginning yeah. of it. So yeah. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling yeah. you what I'm, what I've done. You're responsible for your own decisions on these stocks, <laughs> but look up that stock. So Anyway, do you think he'll be able to do this? By the way, uh, do what <laughs> purchases? Yeah, necessary. Yeah. I think he'll need to. You know, you brought up the good point earlier. Like, <laughs> the unfortunate part of this is if you don't have the money to buy those shares, you're not going to be able to be the CEO. No, you know, you've got to you've got to have the ability to get those shares not in only, some kind of way. So it's like, look, you have to work a hundred hours a week. You have to be really smart. Yeah, really dedicated, very organized. To run a massive corporation like McDonald's, not only is that not hard enough, but you have to have a certain amount of money to be the CEO as well. Yeah, so yeah. these jobs, like CEO positions, can't just be taken by anyone. They're no, they're ridiculous positions to get. And it's you know it's a massive company with mm -hmm. tens of thousands of stores, probably like 40,000 stores, and they employ a couple million people. Like a lot of people work for mm -hmm. McDonald's, and they want to make sure that whoever's making the decisions that are going to affect everyone, that that person knows that their wealth is tied up in the stock. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's a pretty cool idea. That's cool. Yeah. Um, do you want to get this next one, or do you you want me to run through it? You know, I was thinking about it, but yeah. That's up to you. Yeah. I, I would like to. Okay. 
But I feel like you keep just going, you know? Well, I, But I'm you're sorry. giving me the option. I'm going to give you so the I'm option. So I'm going to purchase this option from you. Yes, yes. For nothing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, this is coming from CNN. A 25-year-old politician got heckled during a climate crisis speech. Her deadpan retort was, okay, boomer. <laughs> Have you guys seen these ridiculous memes going around? Oh, my God. All right. So anyway... From CNN, a 25-year-old New Zealand lawmaker given a speech supporting a climate crisis bill was heckled by an older member of parliament. Her witty response baffled her audience to the delight of millennials everywhere. Chloe Swarbrick uh, was speaking about the zero carbon bill, which would set a target of zero carbon emissions for the country by 2050. When she was heckled, she casually dropped a sharp-tongued retort, okay, boomer, and un- Phased continued talking amid the puzzlement and silence of the room. Yeah, so uh, this is so ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and and what's what's crazy about this is we've been getting that response. We've mentioned it in the last yeah. in the last week or so. Well, and I also want to know what was what was the heckling. Yeah, I don't know. Like, was somebody, you know, retorting like giving her facts and data? Or they probably were like making little comments while she was speaking or said like, yeah. you know, in these other countries, when people are speaking in parliament and every, everything, like you can yell at them while they're speaking. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, I think it's a requirement actually is that you yell at them while they're speaking. So she had a, a witty response. So this, this term, it's been this meme that's gone around with all these, all these kids, all these kiddos lately. Uh, it's been going around on TikTok. I don't know if you have a TikTok. We have one, mm-hmm. but I have not been back on it since the last time we talked about it. Uh, so it's like a term that millennials and Generation Z people are using to basically put down older people, obviously baby boomers, and their ideas. So when they have some kind of a, oh, well, that's a ridiculous idea, that's a that's terrible, your response has got to be, okay, boomer. Because you're basically writing them off at that point in time. You're saying, I don't need to listen to what you have to say. You're just a you're just an old person who doesn't know anything about today's world. Or if you have an argument that they don't have a response to. It's just yeah. a cop out. That's the best thing to now, do. Now look, I think it's funny. Like I think it's funny and I think <laughs> free speech, obviously you can say whatever you want. If you want to say okay boomer or F you boomer or whatever, or I love boomers, who cares? I think it's actually kind of funny. But I don't think that uh, I don't like the response when somebody is giving you a valid argument and yeah. you, instead of actually speaking to the argument, you just generalize that person, which, we, which has happened to us, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of coming up with an, with an actual argument, you just respond with, okay, boomer. Yeah. And that's just a, it's a, I don't know. It's almost like a slap in the face. It says in the article, I don't like this here, but it's saying that they're calling out uh, it's what young people perceive as out of touch baby boomers and their patronizing opinions. So it's like if you have an argument against a millennial, uh, somehow you're always somehow it's always an opinion, and then it's also patronizing. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's it's like I don't agree with your stance on climate change, but that doesn't mean I'm patronizing you. The the most uh, infuriating part was this last part here where it says an article on the New York Times calls the OK Boomer phenomenon a rallying cry for millions of fed up kids. So this is so 
you know what you may like you should listen to some boomers you might learn something yeah that, by the way and so you the, don't know everything millennials what i wanted to bring up here was you know i've been listening to that uh that Rand paul book the case against socialism and one of the things i noticed throughout most of these evil throughout most you know stalin and mao and and pol pot all these people it was common it was this this is almost a necessity for these ideas is that you get rid of the old traditions and actually you know stalin it was part of their job he had he had young people that would go around and if you were someone who talked about if you were someone who was if you were someone who was talking about the old traditions you would be killed at that point in time because they had to get rid of these people who were saying things like uh well <laughs> your economic policies are terrible epstein didn't kill himself um you know you can't take away from the wealthy and and be able to have a good society well at that point in time you had to kill those people at that you had to suicide all those people who yeah. were talking about that and so it's really interesting to see this happening again it's always interesting to see that people really never change over time and this whole idea the this this socialist collectivist mentality it has a requirement and one of the requirements is that you rid of the old ideas you tear down the old traditions and you don't let those people speak you you negate everything they have you completely say that it's completely pointless they have no point because they're just some stupid boomer and they don't know anything yeah and this is something that we've, it's always happened. It's always happened throughout history. That was part of Stalin, of Mao, of Pol Pot, of Lenin, of Hitler. All of these people is they had to silence the older people, the people who would talk about the old ways of doing things. So I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm not trying to say that, you know, that, that, that that's what we're heading into right now. But what I do what I do want to stress is that Epstein didn't kill himself. Yeah. So that's the main point. Yeah. And then it, even we have a really funny part in this next story. I you don't know if you saw that. You say that and I'll be like, okay, boomer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Boomer. We'll start another one back. Like, okay. Millennial. And that's the funny. See, okay, it, Z. there doesn't need to be any rationality behind saying that it's just like this put down, but like we are like, I'm 32 and you're 31. Yeah, we are millennials. We are millennials. <laughs> we are literally millennials. And, and I would never say "okay, boomer" ever. When, but what I'm saying is, people say it to us when we are talking about basic economic ideas. People say "okay, boomer" to you. I'm 32 years old. I'm a millennial. Yes. Okay. It does not automatically mean that if least, you think that we have to have a sound fiscal policy and we have to pay attention to individual liberty, that you're just some stupid old person who doesn't know anything about the world. At least get your insult right. Yeah, good Lord. <laughs> Come up with something for the millennials that actually have a brain, please. Yeah. Good Lord. Okay, so this California brewery, you want to talk about that? Yeah, I'll do two in a row. Oh, two two in, in a row. row. This article coming out of Zero Hedge, the headline, California Brewery... Am I saying that right? It's a brewer, brew, brewer, brewery, brewery, California brewer, brew. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like when you try to sound out Mar Marlboro. Yeah, that's a weird Marlboro. World. No one says Marlboro. So look, I got this. Yeah. All right. This coming from Zero Hedge, a place that makes beer in California, prints 
Epstein didn't kill himself on the bottom of its cans. This is amazing. (laughs) The Epstein didn't kill himself meme has reached an entirely new unprecedented level as it has officially crossed the line from internet meme into physical reality via the underside of a beer can. (laughs) Tactical Ops Brewing in Fresno, California is printing the message Epstein didn't kill himself on the bottom of beer cans, according to a local Fox affiliate, KMPH. This is amazing. So every time you take a sip of beer, like if I were to do this in the camera, on the bottom of this beer can, we should do this on Coke cans. Yeah, they should. They should print that where they have Coach and MVP and all this stuff on there right now. You see that Epstein didn't kill himself there. Yeah, yeah. You know what's really unfortunate? Share, share a Coke with Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> what's really unfortunate, um, uh, the follow-up story, is that everyone who runs that brewery um, killed themselves last night. I can't believe that happened. Wow. That's just so terrible. No, I'm kidding. Kidding about that, that part. Yeah, where is that article coming out of? <laughs> yeah, sorry. That'll that'll happen tomorrow. They'll yeah. have that news story out. Okay, one more from Zero Hedge. United Health is now cutting costs by giving apartments to homeless people. So anytime we see um capitalism doing something good, we try to we try to pinpoint it and we try to say, hey, look at that. We don't have to have the freaking government stealing from people to fix all of our problems. Because it's good news. Actually, capitalism, the more efficient it gets, will continue to find ways to help more and more people because it helps themselves. Yeah. Just just like this. So, um, let's see. Since 1986, laws have prevented emergency rooms from turning away patients that are unable to pay, regardless if they are uninsured, indigent, addicted to drugs, or mentally ill. And by the way, for all of our hardcore conservative Republican fans out there, the Mtala law that was passed in 1986, one of the most detrimental things to healthcare pricing that has ever happened, the Mtala law was signed into law by Ronald Reagan, and that is one of the main reasons that healthcare is so expensive. All right. Okay, let's keep going on this. We have no such similar laws to protect the half a million homeless in the U.S. who have no place to sleep, and one doctor is now trying to change that, according to Bloomberg. Jeffrey Brenner is a doctor who for 25 years has worked with the poor and the homeless. He recently became an executive at United Health Group, the nation's largest insurer, and he is planning on using his position to give people places to live. Brenner is using a pair of apartment complexes in Phoenix as research and development for his proposed initiative. He's using United Health's money to pay, let me see, I lost my place here. Let me see, United Health's money to pay for housing and support services for about 60 formerly homeless recipients of Medicaid. United Health 6 million Medicaid members generated 43 billion in 2018, almost 20% of the insurer's total revenue. Okay, so what they're trying to do here is they're they're trying to say that if you help some of these homeless people, if you help them get off the streets, if you actually help them get going that um, they're not just going to have to be taking care of them um, freely through all of their emergency rooms all the time. And they know that that's one of the major driving costs of, of health care. So let's see. Uh, instead, Brenner has been looking for uh, looking at data of patients for answers. One patient named Steve, who is 54 with MS, cerebral palsy, heart disease, and diabetes, was homeless before United Health gave him an apartment. While homeless for the year prior, he went to the ER 81 times and spent 17 days hospitalized and had medical costs of about $13,000 per month. Since a roof was put over his head, his average monthly medical costs have dropped more than 80% to about $2,000 per month. 
So patient, he says, patients like Steve wind up in the ER because they don't fit in the traditional ways that healthcare is delivered. The system is set up to route billions of dollars to hospitals, clinics, pharmacies, and labs to diagnose and treat patients once they're sick and not care for vulnerable and homeless people. Okay, so as you can see, with this patient that they that they put a roof over his head, they decreased the amount of money that he spent in healthcare, or that he was costing people in healthcare. About eleven thousand dollars a month. Yeah, he, they decreased his costs by eighty percent. And so what United Healthcare is is looking at here is they're saying, well, since this is one of the driving factors in the price of healthcare and why you know we don't get paid for a lot of things. Um, why don't we look into whether or not we could save money by building housing for the homeless or supplying housing in some kind of way for the homeless? And what if we could decrease all of their medical expenses by 80% by doing that? It'd be amazing. And they're completely doing it to help themselves, by the way. Yes. That's, that's why they're doing this is because it will help them save money. But it also helps who? It helps the everyone. Consumer. It helps everyone. Not even the, not just the homeless. Everyone. That's that's always the beautiful, beautiful part about capitalism is here they are getting so trying to find all these efficiencies so they can save money, and one of those is going to be by providing housing to homeless people. It's amazing. So, yeah, you know this happens a lot in the ER because look in America you can't turn anybody away. Yeah. So a lot of homeless people do show up to uh, the emergency department. Uh, because they can get whatever health care that they need. It doesn't matter if they fell and hit their head or it doesn't matter if they've got kidney disease and they need dialysis or whatever it is. They, they can come in at any time yeah. and they don't pay a dime for it. They, well, they don't ever pay for it. They're homeless. They don't have any money. And the ER has to treat them. Well, so, the, and the ER laws, you know, I mentioned I had to throw in a little dig on who I think is one of the best presidents we've had, really, uh, would be Ronald Reagan. But he did, in fact, sign into law the, the Imtala law, which has to do with emergency rooms, saying that they have to treat you. There are so many regulations inside of this law that make it that you have to take everyone. And if they come in because they're coughing, you have to take care of them because they could have lung cancer. And if that was found, then they can literally shut you down if you did not take that person. So that's why everyone can use it as a walk-in clinic at all times, because they can literally come in and take your medical licenses. If for some reason you turned away someone and it turned out down the road, they had some kind of terrible disease. Yeah. So they take in everyone. They also are required to have people who can speak all these different languages on staff all the time. Even if the doctors can speak Spanish, by the way, they still have to keep on staff a professional Spanish translator who has to be there whenever someone who speaks Spanish comes in. They also have to keep specialists on staff all the time. For different levels of care. For different levels. Depends on what they're, what kind yes. of trauma level they are. Correct. Um, so they have to have these specialists on call all the time that they keep, they have to pay and have them on staff, even if they're not actually needed, they have to be on staff uh, in any way. And the other thing that sucks in the Imtala laws is if you come in and let's say you've got some kind of a um, heart condition and there is a heart specialist that works in the hospital, well, he's required to have to come down to the ER and serve you, right? But you're not required to pay. And he's probably a private contractor who's coming through a, a physician group right. is, is who's paying him. So he has to go down there and provide the service that you're never going to pay for. And he doesn't get paid for it because he's going to send you a bill and you're not going to pay it. 
or, or a lot of these people are. This is what has led to specialists building their own off-site buildings. You see all these specialist centers? Mm-hmm. The reason those exist is because they don't have an ER in them. That's why they exist, is because they want to work in a building that does not have an ER. That's how detrimental these Imtala laws have been, that entire new buildings have to be built over to the side that don't have an ER in them. Think of all the extra costs in that building for ha- for having to do that. It's it, it's ridiculous. It, Imtala is one of the worst things in our healthcare system. And a lot of these far. buildings have like walkways over. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But, but they it's have a separate building. Yeah, yeah they have yeah. to be separate. Because, it's like building casinos on the water. Exactly. You know? it's, a, like, it's a boat. Hey, it's illegal to have casinos on land here. Well, nah. well they just put it on the water. That's not in Illinois. It's on the river. What yeah, are you talking you, about? That's not a state. The river's not a state. <laughs> exactly. We have these river boats and everybody <laughs> will still come to them and give us all their money. Exactly. That's what they do. So, okay. We got one more thing here. And this is going to, this is my favorite. This is going to finish us up. I actually wrote an article about this earlier. I didn't look to see if it was doing well or not. We'll check and see if it's getting some shares. This is my favorite one of the day. Yeah. 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 This is a big one. So, so you are, me, are you going? Yeah, I'm going. Okay. Well, so, this is from the, no, you go ahead. Man. So from, <laughs> from Bernie the day, Sanders, go ahead, man. From, <laughs> from, the, from, okay. You backed off the mic. Yeah. It's about time. I run this show. From, <laughs> From the Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Bernie Sanders attacks Bill Gates' wealth. Ga- Gates employs over 100,000 people. Sanders does other things. <laughs> which which is a great headline. Yeah. Um, and we, we did get a comment on here on the comment section that I love, which was somebody mentioned that, oh, great, the left is starting to eat their own. Yeah. <laughs> so this is perfect. So from the Daily Wire. On Thursday, presidential hopeful candidate Bernie Sanders, apparently deciding he was his own version of Robin Hood, attacked Microsoft CEO Bill Gates by tweeting, Say Bill Gates was actually taxed $100 billion. We could end homelessness and provide safe drinking water to everyone in this country. Bill would still be a multi-billionaire. Our message, the billionaire class cannot have it all when so many have so little. Which, by the way, what does that last line remind you of? Have it all when so many have so little. Mm, I don't know. Every uh, every murderous socialist dictator every, I've heard in my entire life. It's literally straight yeah. from Karl Marx. Yeah. It's straight from Marxism. Yeah. Even uh, Phil Donahue had it. You know, we've got a great video going again with Milton Freeman and Phil Donahue. It's like when he says, when you have so many haves, or when you have so few haves and so many have nots. Yeah. yeah. This is the great plight of human... <laughs> but Pareto distribution. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know? Um, So Bill Gates came out. He was not happy about someone saying that he needed to pay a hundred billion dollars in taxes. He's not even worth a hundred billion dollars. I know. Not anymore. Just so you guys know, and he pointed this out in his tweet, he's paid more taxes than anyone ever. Think about it for a second. In the history of mankind. In the history of all mankind, Bill Gates has paid the most amount of taxes out of everyone. And he's also given the most amount of charity to anyone ever, ever. $46 billion now he's given away to charity. The only one that's going to come close to him is going to be Warren Buffett because Warren Buffett pledged to give half of his wealth to charity also. So when you go out and you demonize these people, I, I don't think that that's a great idea. You know, Sanders' main problem here is that 
uh, Bill Gates is efficiently allocating his wealth through charity, and he wants the government to be able to spend it instead. So uh, that's really his 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 main uh, his main thing here. So you uh, let's see the quote from Bill Gates. You can go ahead. I didn't mean to cut in on you. No, it's fine. So, <laughs> you, you do, Bill Gates. He said, uh, I've paid over $10 billion in taxes. I've paid more than anyone in taxes. Anyone in history. Like if anyone I, ever. Yeah. If I had to pay $20 billion, it's fine. But when you say I should pay $100 billion, then I'm starting to do a little math over what I have left over. So here's the funny part. You know, Sanders, they mentioned the whole Robin Hood thing. And I've seen this from a lot of socialists, basically on how Bernie Sanders is the modern day Robin Hood. There's a really big problem with that analogy. You know, you know what that is, Charlie? What is that? Well, Robin Hood was stealing when he said he was stealing from the rich to give to the poor. He was stealing from the government who had taken all the people's money. Yes. That's who he was stealing from, not the wealthy, evil people in society. He was stealing from the government who had taken the people's money without their permission, and he was giving it back out to the people. Yeah, That's, and he was he was taken from the kings, you know, the, yeah. the, the lords, the people who had raped and pillaged and pillaged, uh, you know, people and stole from them and murdered them. Yeah, that's that's he was getting the people's money back. Yeah, from from exactly. Whence, from whence it was stolen. From whence thou came. From whence yeah. thou was stolen from. So, <laughs> since Gates and his friend Paul Allen founded Microsoft in 1975, the software firm has acquired a slew of companies, including video and calling applications, Skype, and Nokia's device and, and services business. Altogether, Microsoft now has more than 114,000 full-time workers. These do not include employees of professional network company LinkedIn, which Microsoft announced in June that it has agreed to acquire. Once that acquisition is complete, it will add another 9,900 full-time employees to Microsoft's roster, bringing its total employment closer to Oracle's. They were talking about another company in this uh, in this article I pulled from. So... Here's kind of the funny part because they were drawing the comparisons between what Gates has created and what and what Bernie Sanders has done. There's a story from him getting kicked off of a commune in here, which is hilarious, by the way. According to the new book, We Are as Gods by Kate uh, Dallas, Dallas, which tells the tale of the rise and fall of the Myrtle Hill Farm in Northeast Vermont. Sanders was told to leave the commune in 1971 because he didn't work. Instead, sitting around and talking about politics. That's what he did. <laughs> he was kicked off of a commune because he wouldn't work. So she writes that Sanders engaged in endless political discussion. I feel just like just like the people that lived with him, by the way, at that yeah. point in time. I still feel the same way. While the residents seethed, one resident, Craig, resented feeling like he had to pull others out of Bernie's orbit if any work was going to get accomplished that day. When Bernie had staged for Myrtle's allotted three days, Craig politely requested that he move on. <laughs> <laughs> this is this I I I hope this story gets uh corroborated oh man like i hope it's backed up so good that's, that's just amazing yeah yeah by the way how it's it's really funny we've talked about communes before and if you want to think about a a commune society people i guess somehow think that you just kind of sit around all day and what the the strongest and and wealthiest individuals in the commune do everything for you no that's not actually what happens if you live in a commune 
you have to put in equal work like everyone else is. They don't just give you everything for free. No. You have to work. You have to do whatever your skill is. You have to do that, which do apparently Bernie Sanders is talking and yeah. manipulating people. And uh, apparently three days wasn't long enough to do that for this Craig guy here. <laughs> um, so when you think about how perfect this little socialist commune is going to be, you still have to work and provide value for the other people in that commune or they will kick you off of the commune. You get kicked out. Yeah. And and so th- this idea that like work is evil or money is evil or anything like that, like that's we, money is a representation of the value that you provided to the other people in your society. That's yeah. what money is. Yeah. It's so a representation it's, of the work you've done in the commune of society. Exactly. Yes. We're still in a commune right now, by the way. You have to do things for other people and receive value. And then you can exchange what you receive for things from other people who are providing you value. Right. We just use money as a representation of the value that you provided. And somehow this this mentality is that you'll just be able to get rid of money. And then uh, I guess all these people who hate working are just not going not gonna to do anything. You're working on a great video, by the way, too. Oh, where, yeah. Yeah. Where Bernie Sanders went on Fox. What what was this? Was it just an interview they did or? Uh, this was that Bernie Sanders um, town hall that they did, actually. Yeah. And so you had uh, Brett Baer and I can't remember the, the lady host, the lady... Um, anchor that was on there asking him questions and he just kept dodging yeah you know because if you look at his tax returns you know he's made a, uh, over a million dollars on a couple of them he's made five hundred thousand like he's part bernie sanders is the one percent by the yeah, way exactly and of those tax returns like his donation to charity was like 3.1 percent yeah and his uh, effective tax rate would average like what 24 percent and yeah. here he is like wants to force everyone else to do what he plans on doing but he won't you know lead lead the cart so to speak and that's what she asked him you know he she got him to settle down on a number what he thought they should pay and it was about 52 percent and she said well why don't you pay 52 percent you paid half of that yeah you less than half why don't you pay it and he said i pay the taxes that i owe and then he started talking (laughs) and then he started talking about donald trump he started talking about billionaires yeah yeah that was it he he had the shift he had the shift the conversation on and that's the problem in this class warfare mentality it's like you're never rich. It's always the p- person that's richer than you. Yeah, that's the rich guy. Yeah, and the only person who can't ever be mad at anyone, I guess, is going to be Jeff Bezos. That's right, it. Right now. Yeah. At yeah. one time, it was Bill Gates, but right now, Bezos has no one else to look to. to and the like. only person who cannot have anyone mad at them is the poorest person in society, I right. guess. They don't have to take any blame for yeah. anything. Yeah. Okay, and they that. might die soon anyway, because they're the person's, poorest person in society, yeah. which means they probably are not eating or drinking <laughs> so, or any of that. The other part of this. I guess Bezos does have one entity that he could be angry at that makes more than he does. Yeah. That's government. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because they extort about $3.5 trillion. They will always be the richest person. The, yeah. Because they the can richest corporation forcefully take your money. The actual richest corporation in all of America is the government. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's one more thing in this. You know where he said that he could take $100 billion um, from Bill Gates and we would be able to pay for all of the homeless people? The problem is that's a lie. And uh, it makes me want to start a website called BernieLies.com. Oh, yeah, we already did that. And the problem is you can't do this. Now, there are about 550,000 homeless people. On any given night, there's about 550,000 homeless people. So, yeah, if you take that number and you say, well, we have $100 billion to put towards these homeless people, 
Well, then, yeah, each one of them is going to have like $180,000 you can pay to house those people for a couple years, something like that, as long as they don't have any other expenses. But the issue is there's not just 550,000 homeless people in a year. That's just how many there are in a given night. And actually, in a year, 3.5 million people become homeless at one point in time. So you can't divide the $100 billion by 550000 You have to divide it by the $3.5 million. So each one of them is going to get about $28,000, which is not enough, by the way, to pay for building someone an apartment. Just, just so you know, Mm-mm. that is not enough to pay for that. Uh, the average per unit cost in the U.S. is about $63,000, and that's in a private market, um, not a government-ran market, where it would probably cost double that, more than likely, to, to build the units. Um, so first off, the $100 billion is not enough to solve this. But let's say... Let's say that it was. Let's say that math works out, and you spend the hundred billion, and then now there's no more homeless people in twenty in twenty twenty when we spend that hundred billion. What about twenty twenty one? At that point in time, because another three point five million people are likely to become homeless in twenty twenty one, and the issue is you've just taken all the wealth from Bill Gates, and so now I guess you got to take all the wealth from Jeff Bezos. And so you'll take all the wealth from Jeff Bezos and you'll spend all of that in 2021. And then what about 2022? There's going to be another three and a half million people who are going to become homeless at that point in time. And we're not even paying attention to the fact that you're destroying the people who are some of the biggest job creators in our society, actual producers at that point in time. We're not paying attention to that. We're not asking how they're actually going to pay. How is Bill Gates actually going to pay $100 billion to the government? Because Bill Gates doesn't have $100 billion in his bank account. I'm sorry to tell you. He owns a lot of stock. He owns Mm -hmm. portions of companies, mainly Microsoft. That's where most of his money is. So the issue is, how is he going to get the $100 billion to give to the government? Well, he's going to have to sell his entire share, his entire stake in Microsoft. Who's going to buy that? Who's going to buy? Who's got the money to buy it? So someone's got to buy it. And then Jeff Bezos, the following year, well, he's got to sell his entire stake in Amazon. Who's going to buy Jeff Bezos's hundred billion dollar stake in Amazon? Who's got the money to do it? So you keep running through all these people. By the way, the stock market is crashing at that point in time. Just yes. so you know, because Microsoft shares have been dumped onto the market without enough people to pay for them. Amazon shares have been dumped in the market without enough people to pay for them. And if then you, one of those companies goes down. Yeah, I mean, they're the all market. tied. The tech, the tech market goes down at that yes. at that point in time, and so you keep running down the line where somehow, well, even if you do get the wealth from these people, and then guess what? It's all gone after a certain amount of years. Even Bernie Sanders himself said that he would decrease the wealth's net worth by fifty percent within fifteen years with his plan. What happens in thirty years? He'll that, be dead, so why does he care? I, I guess so. So, that, I guess so. As um, long as you know he can implement his plan before he dies, I think. Yeah. Well, actually, I think goal. one of his plans, if I understand Medicare for All right, is there'll be no more death after that. No one's going to die. So, maybe he won't. Maybe he won't. I don't yeah. know. Um, so, the idea here is that the math don't work. The, this this dog don't hunt. This boat don't float, okay? This, <laughs> these colors don't run. These colors don't run. This computer don't compute. <laughs> this camera don't capture. This map ain't flat. No, it's just not. <laughs> <about that one. laughs> this, 
It's why we run the website BernieLies.com because yeah. he just says things and then people are like, oh yeah, we could take all of Bill Gates' wealth and then we wouldn't have homeless people anymore. Right. And it's not true. It's just simply not true. What has he done with his wealth? This is what I don't, this is what I hate. I don't, hey. It's always Charlie, someone else. Oh, why don't we talk about Donald Trump and yeah. all his huge, all his, uh, his huge billionaire money coming in every year. Yeah. Yeah, be see, there's a response to what has Bernie Sanders done with his wealth. Right. That's that's what it is. That's what he's done is let's talk about something else. I looked up how much Bill Gates is worth now. Yeah. And as of July 2nd, 2018, his mm. wealth, his net, like his, uh, his uh, net worth totaled 91 billion. He doesn't even have a hundred so billion. Gonna, <laughs> he, he doesn't, doesn't even, even have it. And it, by the way, Bernie's tweet said we could take a hundred billion from him and he would still be a multi-billionaire. How? I don't know. He doesn't have well, it. Honestly, maybe he just got done reading basic emotionomics and it said that he <laughs> would still have that somehow. I don't know. He doesn't even have it. So the other part of this is, by the way. That's why that's why Gates would have to do the math because he's yeah. like, well, now I don't have anything. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, to, <laughs> like, I don't even have a home. <laughs> yeah, he sold Little, everything at that yeah. point in time. The other part of this that we really need to pay attention to is... Um, First off, we're running massive deficits, trillion dollar deficit. So if you take $100 billion from Bill Gates, by the way, it's not going to get spent on the homeless um, because we're still spending way more than that. Um, we've already spent $27 trillion fighting poverty. But if we get $100 billion from Bill Gates, we won't have homeless people anymore, Yeah, apparently. And then the other side of that is it takes the U.S. government eight days to spend $100 billion. Yet Bill Gates is making hundreds of thousands of jobs, creating new value for more people. He's curing diseases in other countries, bringing sanitation to their water. He's solved the problem of dangerous nuclear energy. He just can't get permission from the government to build it. And he's doing all of that off of his Bill Gates found his Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that has $45 billion, which it would take the government less than one work week to spend. And he's able to do all of these things. Since but we're, but we think that somehow the money would be better off in the government's hands. It makes no sense. Just because they they have this belief that no one should own that amount of wealth. Ever. Yeah, except for the government. Except for the government. That's it. They're the only ones that can be benevolent enough to know what to do with it. Exactly. And but you yeah you have you know what can you think of one billionaire? I can't even think of one that isn't um, philanthropic. I, I can't think of one. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't looked through. Like I can't think about Bezos, Gates, Warren. Yeah, I mean all these Warren Buffett, not not Warden Warren. Yes. Yeah. They're not not Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I call her Warden Warren. <laughs> Warden. Yeah. Warden. <laughs> yeah. Not uh, not her. She's not a billionaire yet. No. Um, she becomes president probably. She'll be but, the, if she becomes president, she'll be the CEO of a trillion dollar company. Yeah. At that point in time, even. Even Trump as a billionaire has donated to charity, at least, you know, his foundation closed, by the way, <laughs> because of allegations that they sent, they spent campaign money. Yeah. But I can't think of a billionaire that isn't charitable. No. You know, they are. And they brought up in that, that Fox News debate that um, Bernie had only given 3% of his income to charity. And uh, he said, yeah, we're, we're really proud of what we were able to do. And by the way, in that town hall, he said, we're really proud of what we've been able to do for charity and other people, you know, they might do more, you know, Bill Gates. He mentioned Bill Gates and how good he is yes. at giving the charity Yeah. in the town hall debate. 
but now he's now he goes after him. but now he wants to take his money and spend it in eight days yeah so and yeah it's and it's ridiculous with you know bernie making a million dollars three percent he is thirty thousand dollars yeah so that's not that much and you notice as we've said before he used to talk about millionaire and billion millionaires and billionaires now, now it's now it's just billionaires now it's just billi- because we, he's crossed the threshold into the millionaire status we should pull up a bunch of clips from 2016 and take all the times he said millionaire and billionaire that would be a really long video it would yeah wow super annoying to listen through yes. also so uh we're well over an hour now so i guess I think uh, that's gonna do it probably I, I guess we can close this thing out so guys thank you so much we are ending this week it's been one of our best weeks ever because i finally fixed our sound problems with no help from charlie whatsoever <laughs> so i was able to do that um so anyway next week He's taking responsibility and matters into yeah, his own hands next week we're gonna start going live and we won't be able to give you a for sure time every single day because the other business, the business that actually keeps this business going, has a very different um, conference call schedule every single day. So we'll have to put out like the schedule in the morning of what time we're going to go live every day. We can send out an email maybe. So go to our website yeah. and sign up for the email list. And we'll let you know what time we're going to go live that day. So you'll be able to watch it on YouTube and Facebook and I don't know, whatever and other might, platforms. Might as well go ahead and warn everyone that it's there's a potential, very rarely, that a live stream could be interrupted. Yeah. It's just a fair warning. Like like uh, this episode today. Um, if, if we're what, testing. What you guys might not be able to tell is that during this episode, we actually had to stop. Charlie had to take a phone call. It was about 40 minutes long. Um, where they found out basically nothing and, and then just kidding. If any of his work people, uh, listen to the podcast, um, he had to take it. And by the way, I'm HIPAA compliant. Um, he had to take this phone call and go over all these different things, words I don't even know. And then we just dipped right back into talking about Rand Paul. Switch the brains. So if that happens during the live broadcast, uh, we're sorry. We're really sorry about that. It should be a rare occurrence. Yeah, pretty rare. Um, So anyway, follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Liberty. Follow us on Twitter at Good AM Liberty. Look us up on Facebook. That's Good Morning Liberty. And go to our website, GoodMorningLiberty.us, if you want to read some great articles on politics and economics. Keep in mind that's .us because this is America. .us. GoodMorningLiberty.us. If you like the .com version better of your URL browsing service, you can go to GMLConnect.com gmlconnect.com that'll send you to all of the things nate just mentioned it's a one-stop shop for facebook twitter instagram uh giveaways that we do and also our shop because if you want to defeat socialism and you want to defeat the ideologies that guys like bernie sanders elizabeth warren all these people that lie about all kinds of stuff about millionaires and billionaires if you want to stop medicare for all defeat the marxist commies socialist (laughs) destructionism yep in america then you must put your money where your mouth is. It's time to stop talking about it and stop. It's time to start doing some action. Yep. So this is a call to action. Go to our shop, support what we're doing here because we couldn't do it without you. Uh, I think we've also, I don't know if we should mention this yet or not, but Nate, I saw this that we have a, a place where you can actually support the show. 
yeah, with, yeah, a, with on, a monthly donation. It's on Anchor, yeah. Yeah. On the, so, on the Anchor app, you can support the show. Yeah, and I think we're going to be setting up some more things where you can support us in other ways. Um, we don't ask for much around here, but what yeah. we do ask for is to, for you to help us defeat socialism. Yeah, and we need and, to eat, okay? So we need yeah. you to put your money where our mouth is, yes. for sure. Yeah. Just do it. I don't know if you know how much these Coke Zero costs every day, but we drink about at least a 12-pack. Yeah. And yep. that's important. Otherwise, <laughs> that's the show couldn't go on. So if you guys do all that, we'll be back again on Monday, potentially going live Monday, maybe Tuesday. We don't know yet, but we're definitely going to be back with another episode on Monday. We hope you guys have a good day. Epstein didn't kill himself and a good morning, Liberty.